Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about the great resignation. So today we're going to shift the conversation a bit and talk about something more upbeat, the great retention. Now, the great resignation is, of course, the rush of people who are quitting jobs because they're not happy where they are. And it's not necessarily about money. In fact, a new survey from McKinsey found that one of the main reasons people change jobs is actually because they're unhappy with the leadership at their organizations. Now, the great retention isn't actually something we're seeing in force yet, but it would be great if it was. That is, it would be great if companies use what is going on as kind of a teachable moment and sat down and talked about what they could do to keep workers happy and engaged. And if they're happy and engaged, they won't be apt to jump ship, at least not at the rates we're seeing. Now, to talk about some of those trends around retention, I'm joined on this episode by Mark Mancuso. Mark is the country manager Canada at SAP Success Factors, and his role means he works with and is able to observe companies in a lot of different industries. He's actually upbeat on the ways that companies are thinking about holding on to workers, and he shared some of what he's seen with me. It was a really good conversation. Please stay with us. Well, can we change the great resignation into the great retention? My guest today is Mark Mancuso. He's Country Manager Canada at SAP Success Factors. He joins me now to talk about what it would take to get to that and why he's upbeat that we might get there. Hi, Mark. Hi, Linda. Thank you for having me uh, going through this conversation today. Much appreciated. Thanks for being here. There's so much to talk about on the topic. I always like to start by asking my guests a little bit about themselves, though, how they got to the jobs that they're in. Perfect. Uh, so I've been in the tech space coming up on 20 years. I've been extremely fortunate having to work through some of the best technology companies in the world. Uh, and through that experience, I've really seen how they've been able to hire great talent, develop and create amazing cultures. And as I'm able to engage with many of my customers and other leading Canadian organizations, I hope to bring some of those different aspects that they bring into the conversations to help each of them on their own journey as well, too. Okay, so you are actually out there, you're talking to companies that have gone through a lot over the last couple of years, and this is in a variety of sectors? Absolutely. So work right across Canada. Uh, the company I work for supports, you know, many of our leading companies in Canada here, you know, and, and on average, when I'm meeting with customers, you know, on a weekly basis, multiple times a week, this topic is front and center, you know, dealing with talent acquisition, uh, the great resignation, reshuffle. It's a it's an ongoing challenge. That's top of mind for every single one of them. Well, let's talk about how this has changed. So before the pandemic started, we already had issues with this. Do you think at that point, companies were giving enough thought to retention? They knew it was a major issue, but I would say in the, in the years previous to, you know, uh, COVID scenarios, what most organizations were dealing with was an aging workforce. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk to them about, you know, their talent strategies, they were all getting ready you know, for the baby boomers to retire and building that talent framework coming through and, you know, backfilling all those people and, and learning those skills and talents. So that was the, one of their main priorities. They always had needs around high performance and those pieces, but they, they didn't have the absolute focus that they have today in terms of talent acquisition strategies 
and then retention strategies across the whole organization. The past two years has really shifted their focus and efforts into those two primary areas now. Well, that's interesting. When you say shifted their focus and efforts, can you give us an example of what people are doing, what companies are doing? Absolutely. So from a technology and process side, they kind of go hand in hand together. You know, you can't just put in technology and assume the process and the change man is going to work. So they, they have to do, you know, a technology enhancement and a process and change management aspect as well. So if you look on the talent acquisition side, historically, most companies would have had, you know, a program or technology in place to help through the hiring process. But now it's so competitive that speed matters. So they're going after, they're putting in technologies and processes to impact speed and create great experiences for the candidates that they're trying to trying to want to engage. So yes, they have um, recruiting systems in place in there, but they have immense AI capabilities. So if they have you know thousands of applicants that are coming through for a specific role, they have great screening technologies to add some speed in there. They put in assessment. Uh, systems, background checking systems. They put in DEI uh, strategies and technologies right across the board. They moved to video interviewing. They moved to texting with candidates. So you know they go through a maturity curve, right? And each one of those companies going on the maturity curve are constantly figuring out, you know, what's the next thing that we can do to help in the hiring process to add that speed and efficiency. And then they're understanding what's working and what's not working, and then incrementally making those improvements. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about this sophisticated process because, really, I think people think in terms of applying for a job, maybe knowing somebody in the company, sending in a resume. Is that like just over, or is it part of the process still? That is absolutely still part of uh, one of the core recruiting strategies: building a great referral system. And so the referral system, they put in technologies to help with referral systems. But, you know, there's such great pressure on the on the HR organization and hiring managers to fill the organization and make sure that they have, you know, everybody um, hired and onboarded and running. So that speed impacts all of them. But I would say those connections are still a key aspect of it. But what I would say is what more organizations are very aware of, historically, that might have worked. But now you know, um, to ensure fair equity across and make sure they're getting diverse talent, you know, they're not moving from, I have a referral to making that offer, right? They are continuing to still post that role and going through the proper due diligence to making sure that they're getting the right candidate. And one of the other strategies that they're looking through, I'll call it as a passive candidate strategy as well, too. Even if they know that they're, um, where they're headed down for hiring or an aspect, you know, anytime they can go to the market, to post jobs, to engage, they're building a talent pool for future jobs and future talent. So a key piece over the past couple of years, you know, is, is the notion of focusing on building a great talent pool uh, so that you have that to draw in on and engage with those people for jobs that are coming up six months or 90 days from now. It's interesting you make the reference to equity because I think tech sometimes is branded as something that is not helping equity that, you know, this is not always the perfect process and people get lost along the way. I mean, talk a little bit more about how you think it can make it better. Absolutely. So the company I work for, SAP, is um, a great advocate for diversity, equity, inclusion, as are many of the Canadian, leading Canadian companies here. And so I look at the technology pieces. So there's obviously a human element that comes into equity and diversity and, uh, and all those areas. But at the heart of it, Unfortunately, some of it is buried in our unconscious. You know, the decisions we make, what are we originally, you know, when we make um, 
uh, an initial you know, position. Yes, we are aware of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it, it's in our unconscious in some areas. So the technology can actually come into place there to remove that bias. And so when you're able to put in technology that helps remove the bias, right when you're making that decision across, you know, that's where I think it can add a lot. So in a talent, in a talent acquisition recruiting process, you know, there's, there's great capabilities in those areas as well too, you know, to help in talent movement within organizations, as you're looking to hire people, you know, we went through an example, almost every system in the HR market went through a process where it started showing pictures of everybody in the system. So you could see like, here's a headshot, you know, and should we move this person into role from A to B? You know, but that can create a bias as well, too. What happens if you look at your talent framework and you actually remove the outs, the pictures and the names, and you actually look only at the data and their performance in those areas? So, you know, th- that would remove all bias from a scenario when you're looking uh, at your talent in your organization. So there are, yes, there's a human element, but I believe the technology element uh, can really help remove some of that bias as well, too, and, and aid you in the decision process. All right, so let's say you found your workers and now you want them to be happy and stay at your organization. What's the first step of this? I mean, do you onboard them in a way that starts it off on a good foot footing? Absolutely. So it's, um, you know, people want to succeed when they come to work and they want to do great work and have a great time there. And what I would say is um, what we do is we work with our customers on a, on a journey map, right? That goes through there. So if you think through, one of the biggest steps is I've created, I've accepted an offer for a company. That's a very emotional position for, for somebody because they want to go back and tell their family or their friends or post it on social media. Like this is a great step that I have. But within us, I think that there's some hesitation, um, some, did I make the right move or not? You know, maybe I'm leaving a good job already. How's it going to be? So there's, there's, I'll call it like the buyer's remorse or a slight hesitation between when I sign the offer and really what's going to happen on day one. And there can be some anxiety and stress that actually happens during that time frame as well too. So I would say like the great companies have an onboarding process that's a continuation of the recruiting strategies that right from when they've, when they've accepted, they put strategies in place to engage that employee before day one. Welcome notes, manager outreach, the technology in place, assigned a mentor. Um, there's, there's a number of steps that they can take to really engage uh, that that talent before they come in, and then from day one onward, you know, there's multiple streams that they should be working through, making sure that the technology is great, figuring out what day one looks like for all their employees. Uh, again, making sure they got su- uh, great support systems in place, general check-ins with them. So right across the board, there's a technology place and a, and a human effort to help uh, guide them through. Now, there's this term called employee listening, which is basically what it sounds like. Traditionally, that's been through surveys, I guess, and sometimes they've been popular with workers, sometimes they haven't. What's the best way, in your view, to use technology for this? Absolutely. So I think that's one of the most incredible areas that companies can invest in. So if you wind it back a couple of years ago in most companies today, you know, we're we're outsourcing this as a one-time annual engagement survey, right? They would go through the questions, they would present it to the board. And what's really happened is the move for companies to move to a, a more agile approach to listening, listening in action. So there's a couple pieces. They have to define a strategy around how often that they want to reach out to their employees and listen. And that might be annually, that might be ad hoc, you know, based on what's happening. 
It might be very specific based on use cases. For example, almost every organization is dealing with a return to work type strategy. What is that workforce? What does the office look like? What, what amenities do we need to provide? You know, what feedback we're getting from employees so you can use it from those aspects. Um, right across the board, there's basically what's developed in the employee listening strategy is numerous use cases and touch points. And so that's one piece. So, so the technology across the board exists to do that. You know, what's important then is what can you action? Yeah. You know, so the companies have to be ready to understand if we're going to be gathering, you know, small pieces of feedback, are we ready to, as a leadership team, sit down and understand the impacts that are happening and then put teams in place to action those? Because the worst thing you can do is get the feedback and not be able to action. So I think that's an important part. And then I think the last part is being uh, coaching your leaders to be very transparent to share those results where you can with your team members, right? So it goes all the way down across the board. It, it has to be at the, you know, the, the first level say, you know, manager to work with their employees to say, look, here's what you're telling the organization. Here's what we're doing about it. So I think you can, the listening from a technology side creates the opportunity to have you know, one-to-one engagement thereafter with the teams and put strategies in place and then understand where you should be spending your money and resources out of organization. Because the tools today will tell you, these are your major problems. This is what will have the most impact. Go focus your resources and efforts in these areas to help your employees the most. And do you think that organizations are willing to do that? Because that's an excellent point that a lot of companies don't ask these questions anymore because people were telling them what they think and they weren't acting on it. And then, you know, it was a waste of time. Uh, Is there kind of a willingness to listen? Has it changed yeah, in the pandemic? Absolutely. I've seen it in the past couple of years here, the um, desire and the need for these organizations right at the board level and C-suite level to get closer to their employees, to understand what they're saying, and really what's going to help them not only perform the best, but what's going to put them in the best position for them to succeed from a mental health perspective, from a health and wellness perspective, from a coaching side you know, the companies that are able, you know, to do, to help their employees do that and come to work every day, understanding that they got challenges happening at home. The past years has been difficult on everybody. And what happens is, you know, organizations likely don't know what people are facing at home, right? They're just expecting them to show up and keep doing great work. And, you know, not everyone's in that position to do that. You know, not everyone's in that position to do that every single day. So the ability to actually get a better understanding of, what's happening to each of your employees, what there's, what's going what's gonna to make them excel and come to work motivated and do well. I see a major shift in organizations you know, going in that way with these listening tools. And then they're not only putting the listening tools in, then they're putting in surrounding programs to support it. That's kind of how it works, right? So if you invest in a listening strategy, it helps you pinpoint where you should focus the resources that are most going to help your employees. So how do you help managers here? Because if you look at the surveys as to why people are leaving jobs, one of the top reasons is, I don't like the person I report to. I don't like the leaders here. But to be fair, I don't think most people have been trained to cope with what we've had over the last two years. They haven't been taught how to manage a hybrid environment where some people are in and some people are Mm -hmm. not. So it's not going to get much easier the next little while. Is there a way to be up to speed on this and help people to succeed at it? I think, yeah. So the leadership training uh, for management is an area that if you look at many of the surveys that are done, you know, it's been underserved by most organizations. So they know it needs to be done because 
you know, from a leader perspective, leadership perspective, think of how many challenges they have, like just the notion of giving feedback to employees. That's one of the hardest things to do in life, <laughs> provide feedback. So, you know, there's coaching and, and learning and development for giving coach, you know, feedback on there, dealing with the aspects that they're challenged with at home, you know, building that personal connection with your employees as well too, on what they feel comfortable in sharing. So those are the areas. So what I would say is there, there is training that's happening to the management team on, you know, how to engage their employees and how to develop them. But that's, it's still probably one of the most underserved areas. Um, and it's also because the way we've been training managers has also been challenged over the past couple of years as well too, right? It, sometimes most companies were doing in-person and workshops and sharing of best practices. But now that most meetings have all moved to Zoom or Teams or 30 minutes, you know, more formal training, they're having a tough time kind of sharing their experiences and creating the space for each other to share each other's experiences and help one another. Okay. Let's talk about the attrition issue. It's obviously a problem for individual companies. Is it such a bad thing for an industry that people move from company to company? Because I look at it kind of from a macro view and say, that's a healthy labor market. Yeah, I would say so. From a company perspective, you know, it can be challenging absolutely to be dealing with the attrition uh, and the movement of personnel, the disruption that happens, and then the constant challenge of kind of hiring there um, and, and bringing new talent in. In terms of moving it from, you know, I never really thought about that from that perspective. So it's, you know, it's a valid point of if I have people moving from one industry to another, maybe it's bringing in different views. Uh, different ideas, different, you know, enhancements to those, to those areas. So I would say, you know, that could be it, but my personal experience from what I've seen, I haven't seen a significant amount of people, like when they're moving companies, they're kind of staying generally more so in that industry because they've built more of that expertise. Again, I might be wrong, but that's, you know, that's what I've seen in my, in my network of people. But I would say that, you know, the, the, the constant movement of talent for organization is just, I think that's a bit of the new norm that everyone's going to face, you know, for the next couple of years, because we have a great, you know, labor market that's moving here. So the companies absolutely are trying to figure out ways to challenge their employees uh, to develop them. So they're able to retain them as well, too. So looking forward, because I don't want to say we're going back to normal, but we're going back to some kind of hybrid model over the next year or so. What are the things you think will change in terms of corporate culture and what would you like to see change? Absolutely. So, so culture is one of the one of the areas that's going to be changed the most. If you think about it, com- some companies in Canada, you know, hundred years, fifty plus years, have been working to build their culture and establish their culture. And over the past two years, it's rapidly changed on how people work. Right. So they're going through a bit of a redefinition in those areas of what the culture is. So, you know, we do believe you know we're going to continue to see some combination naturally of work from home and work in the office. And I think the work in the office part is when you bring your teams together to come in the office, to me personally, it should be kind of more and more around an event. Because the last thing you want is right now, it's some people say, okay, I might go into the office two days a week. But if they go into the office and none of their team members are there because you went Tuesday and they went Thursday, in some ways, you've taken a step back. Because then they'll say, you know, I went there and nobody was there. So I'm just going to continue working from home because when I go there, I don't see any value, right? I spend the two hours and commute time. So I think what, what's important that the teams collectively have to work together to say, okay, when we're going to go into the office, if it's two days a week or one day a week or however it is, 
you know, communicate with one another so that when they go there, they're going there for some type of experience that's going to happen. And what I think you're going to find a lot of people is when they look at it themselves individually, they may feel they're less productive on that day because they may be able to do more meetings, more content, more deep work selectively at home and where they normally work. So the, the day they go to the office, they might feel it's a step back. But as a team, you have to look at it as it's two steps forward, you know, because I'm creating that um, connection between everybody in my team, the collaboration front, I'm aiding in my culture. So it's, it's, it's more of a long-term play when you're bringing them back to the office together than solely focus on the productivity that that's happening that one day. Are you optimistic that we're going to move to this great retention? I believe that there's a great opportunity on the retention side to, to, to give people the opportunity to excel. I think we're going to see a lot of movement continues to happen. That's very naturally, uh, you know, going to continue, but I think companies kind of have to change their value proposition to their employees on why remain, you know, if, if it's only compensation in the industry, there can only be one company with the highest compensation standards, right? So everybody else, if you're, if you're, if your thing is not, we don't pay, we pay the most, you know, if it's not that you have to work on other, other areas. And what we see historically is people don't necessarily move just for the money, right? If they're able to do great work, uh, feel recognized as a key point, have great connection with them, with the rest of their team members and their company, you know, they will stay and they will develop and build. So that's why I think it's so critical that uh, organizations and team members and managers work on developing their talents and investing in their talent to give them those opportunities to do great work. And I think with that, they'll be able to retain. Mark, thank you so much for talking to me today. No problem. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Mark Mancuso is Country Manager Canada for SAP Success Factors. That's it for today. If you want to know more about Mark and his work, please check out our show notes so you'll find some links there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did like this conversation about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. It'll really help people to find us and that will help keep these conversations going. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. 